What is good, everybody? Pat's Interference coming back at you with the second episode of Year 3, and today we're talking to the SEC East. We'll talk about all the teams in the division, who are our contenders, who are the pretenders, and who are the sleepers. It's going to be a jam-packed episode. It's a good one. Stay right where you are. Don't go anywhere. This is Pat's Interference. Hello, howdy, and what's up, everybody? You are listening to Year 3, Episode 2 of Pat's Interference. We welcome you back. We're glad you're back. We, we're glad we haven't driven you away, honestly, because it's, if, if it's been this long, it's, it's, it's really surprising. I think this is the longest relationship I've ever had. But this is Pat's Interference, Year 3, Episode 2. I am Patrick Norwood. I'm Patrick Brickman. I hope everyone's doing well. Hey, this has been a long, fruitful relationship. Very- very very fruitful uh, everybody we we want to let's let's just get right into it but we want to bring up our social media first uh facebook pats interference that's p-a-t apostrophe s interference uh pats interference.com on twitter at p-i underscore podcast you can also reach us at pats interference at gmail.com uh the website has a little bit of a new look just kind of changed the fonts a little bit what do you think about those fonts brick you a fan i like the fonts i like the fonts you picked them too which I, I'm, means they're I'm a big fan i'm a big fan so today we're uh we're, we're gonna start off a little three-part uh little three-parter we're doing before the season starts uh preview episodes this this first preview episode is about the sec east so get your thinking caps on because uh, cause it's time to, to think about what happened last year to the SEC East. Well, I, I remember Florida making it to the SEC championship game, but don't remember much past that. Uh, so, Brick, let's just let's just go ahead and start off with them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, by the way, uh, you mentioned we're doing SEC East. We're going to do three parts, SEC East. We'll do SEC West um, a couple days from now, maybe four or five days from now. And then uh, sometime around kickoff before we do our FSU preview. We'll do our national preview like we've done. We've done this one the last three years. Oh, uh, yeah. where we pick our Heisman. That's we a pick favorite. our final four. That's one of my favorite ones of the year, to be That's honest. So we just kind of kind of get to flex our um, non-SEC knowledge in that one. So uh, anyway, yeah, like you said, SEC East. Uh, we'll start with last year's SEC East champions, right? Back-to-back back SEC East champions. Back-to-back. You know, that's something to – I wouldn't say brag about, but hey, you know what? <laughs> it's it's better than not being Con- there. Congratulations, you are the tallest midget. Oh, that's so kind. Uh, Congra- Florida Gators. Congratulations, you are the uh, you are the smartest kid to go to Auburn. Coached by the Jim McElwain, who formerly, of course, won a national championship as offensive coordinator at Alabama before going to Colorado State. What do you think of the job he's done so far at Florida? Uh, much to be desired, honestly. I know they've had success the past two years, but I know that at Florida, you know, people forget Florida was Alabama before Alabama was Alabama um, as far as the 2000s are concerned. Now, that's not an all-time thing, but you think about the Chris Leak era, the, you know, the Urban Meyer teams with Aaron Hernandez and uh, Tim Tebow, Brandon Spikes, those teams were monstrous. And the expectation became, okay, we need to win SEC championships. We we need to compete for national championships. That hasn't happened since Meyer left. You had Will Muschamp come in and LOL. And now you've got Jim McElwain come in and people are kind of laughing at him. People are kind of laughing at him. But, I, I, you know, obviously it's easy to say, oh, well, they've made the SEC championship the last two years. Like I said, so what? It's the East. They didn't really compete in either game, and I will say that McElwain had a humongous mess on his hand as far as the offense goes. He hasn't, so far, this is a, this will be his third season, so he's done, like you said, well-ish. He's not Florida yet, but he's done okay. He hasn't uh, made a quarterback really happen. They've been taking in grad transfers like Luke Del Rio and Allison Appleby. Um, had Treon Harris starting his first year. So there's a mess there. I think this is a big year for him, honestly. Yeah, Huge year. I agree. I agree. I don't hate the guy, and actually I really like him. I love his sound bites. I like his demeanor. I like uh, I like what – by the way, um, they just had seven players suspended. We'll kick off that. Uh, they just had seven players suspended, including Antonio Callaway, for what I believe to be buying things from the um, bookstore on campus and reselling them. And there were items that as athletes they weren't supposed to buy or something. I haven't looked too much into it. 
but they're all suspended indefinitely. Yeah, Callaway's really the only one that is an impact player. Um, they start off the year against Michigan, right? Correct. Correct. Homecoming game against LSU, by the way, which is hilarious. Yes. Um, yeah, that's but, gonna uh, that's gonna be a wild one. That's one that is going to be a, honestly, I think it's gonna be a nasty game. Just, that is one of my most. I'm looking more forward to that one maybe than any other game outside of Alabama games. Like, honestly, I, I mean, I love Ohio State, Oklahoma, and the, the idea that that's happening. But the idea that in Gainesville this year, they're going to play this game in Gainesville two years in a row because of last year's uh, hurricane, um, will she, won't she, uh, back and forth tussle they had. So because of those uh, those hurt feelings. Well, or- and there was a tweet this year. Do you remember that? Oh, man. LSU had to reschedule, I think it was their spring game or a scrimmage or something, and Florida tweeted at them and said, safety first. Safety first. (laughs) And that's that's pretty – that's brutal. So that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Yeah, missing Callaway and those guys um, did just do a little bit of uh, research on it um, before we started. They, you are correct. They were buying things out of the bookstore um, and reselling them. It was just a misuse of funds. But the thing is – Callaway, this is not his first off-the-field problems either. No. He had a no, citation he's... for marijuana possession not even a year ago, back in May, two months ago. so Or three months ago, excuse me. So this is not his first little mess-up and you just sort of brush it under the rug and keep going. This is oh, a and he's huge he's a huge issue. player too. This yeah. is one of, if not the, one of, up there with a lot of other guys, best, most impactful wide receivers in the country, not even just the SEC. He's very good. Right. Right, so that's that's a huge miss. Um, you know, they've got a, a couple good running backs who didn't really show up in the SEC championship game, but you know, had a couple good runs here and there that I can remember. Maybe I'm just misremembering. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you know, P. Ryan and uh, uh, you'll have to forgive me. I can't remember for the life of me. I can't remember Scarlett's first name. It's either Jordan. It's, I think it's Jordan, maybe. But either way, regardless, both of them are ta- very talented at running back, very quick and shifty running backs, that very Florida-style running back. You know what I'm talking about? Just yep. very shifty, very quick on their feet, very good and acceleration. And they're good, the and they got, this, they got the Mark Thompson guy that fumbles too much but can break off a good one. Yeah. It's all going to come down to quarterback, though. It I is. mean, they, and Okay, so I'll say coming into the spring, it looked like this was going to be Felipe Franks. Um, he was the – he was the, the pretty heralded four-star that had been committed to LSU last year, then decommitted. He's at Florida. Uh, a lot of people thought a lot of him. And then um, and then it looked like it was going to be his job to lose. Then in comes Malik Zaire, the graduate transfer from Notre Dame, who's a guy I like. He's a good player. He's you know, he's going to be a, a 50-year senior, so you can't count out that kind of experience. And then Luke Del Rio, all the sons, taking first-team reps in the fall. So right. one of those guys is going to have to be – much, much, much better than anything McElwain's gotten so far at Florida for them to do anything because they can have all the skill positions in the world. But Austin Appleby and Luke Del Rio were not getting it done, especially the latter half of the season. Yeah, so who's who's your guy out of those three? I think, and I hate to, you know, a lot of people don't want this to happen because they've been like um, what Alabama did for a couple years in a row there, but it would be their second year straight starting up a um, graduate transfer quarterback. I like Malik Zaire. He played at Notre Dame. He's I played agree. in big games. He's never thrown an interception in his career. He Multiple people said Malik Zaire was M- or MLB, NFL ready last year. Yeah. Now that's last year. He's had a whole year to develop. Um, you know, I think he's coming he out. He beat ready out to Deshaun Kaiser to start. Before right. He I think he's ready to come out and prove himself, to prove that everything yeah. that happened in Notre Dame wasn't a fluke, that, yes, they went 4-8, and eight, but, you know, things happen and he's ready to come out and prove himself if i'm holding the clipboard and you know i'm saying okay my florida quarterback right now i'm going with malik zaire now i haven't seen much on felipe franks or luke del rio um but right now i i think athletically and i think for the offense that florida wants to run malik zaire has got to be your guy yeah i agree and i like him like i said um we'll see uh i think that's who ultimately gets it Right, and then I think, and then I, I think Felipe Franks will will take over, you know, after next year. But we'll see because Fl- Franks is, he played very well in their spring game. Now on defense, here's 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 where I think Florida's in trouble because defense they were good last year. 
Right. Maybe not as much toward the end of the year when they lost a lot of guys to injury, but first three-fourths of the year, uh, they were top five defense. I mean, they had uh, Tease Tabor, they had Quincy Wilson, Gerard Davis, Marcus May, uh, Analzone, uh, Analzone, his, his, spell, his name is spelled. Those were all top two first and second round picks in the NFL. They're all gone. And Florida has not recruited the way that Alabama has the last several years to replace those so easily. Right. So this was a team that was a lot like Alabama when Alabama's offense was faltering. The defense was picking them up. Florida's not replacing those guys, plus their best returning starter, their safety, Marcel Harris, towards Achilles the first week of practice. So their best player they had coming back is also hurt. I think their defense is in big trouble. A lot of pieces missing. I feel like this first game against Michigan has potential. I'm not saying it's going to be. has potential to be ugly, and I'm not sure they can recover if it is. If this is a Michigan blowout from the khaki man himself, the khaki <laughs> caper. In Jerry world. I'm not sure that they can bounce back from it. Now, I'm hoping I'm wrong because I want to see all great SEC powerhouses compete, minus Auburn and Tennessee, but teams like Florida – Georgia and honestly even Auburn the, the, the you and I have talked about this a million times the SEC is more fun when those classic teams are good yeah period that's just it so you know I'd like to see Florida bounce back I just think they can't suffer an you know an absolute drumming in the first game of the season against Michigan I think that would be worst case scenario uh, for the Florida Gators. Um, Luckily Michigan lost like what 20 guys 18 20 guys of the NFL too so they're going to be right you know both right. teams are going to be kind of feeling themselves well, out in that game. And half but. their team is gone with Jabril Peppers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Don't Heisman, forget, he was the lord the and savior of that Michigan team, and Michigan fans would not let you forget it for with a while. one interception last year. Right, right. Um, and he was a great player. I, I thought he was a great player. It's just I, I feel like he was a little bit overrated, and then, you know, obviously everything happened with the bowl game and his injury and everything like that. But He was Manti Teo. That's was an Manti comparison. Teo. Yeah, it was just a name that ESPN props up on a pedestal, and he's very good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's not. We're not watching Ray Lewis here. No. People say he was playing linebacker last year. People are acting like he was Ray Lewis out there. Anyway, so uh, Florida, you know, what kind of? Uh, we're not staring at their schedule right now, but you know, what kind of um, SEC? You know, what kind of what teams they play? They don't get Alabama this year, obviously. Um, I'll actually look it up while I'm typing it. Uh, football schedule, so I can get it in front of us. So I'll tell you who they play, and you, just in the SEC, they got Tennessee, Kentucky, obviously Vanderbilt. Uh, they get LSU as the homecoming. Uh, out of division, they get Texas A&M, and you know uh, LSU would be the other one. So they got Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina. What kind of record do you kind of see there? Who do you see them losing to, or who do you see them maybe even beating that they shouldn't? Uh. As far as the SEC is concerned, yes, I think they get thwomped by LSU. Um, I think that LSU is going to come in with a lot of headway for that game this year and just lay into them. They're not going to be excited you. that it's homecoming. They're not going to be excited with all the trash talk that happened in the off season and after last last year's game. Uh, so I think that's going to be a loss. And then I think the cocktail party between Florida and Georgia is going to be the big decider as far as and I feel like we say this every year. But as far as who makes it to the SEC championship. Um, now, I've got a dark horse, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But right now, I'd say that those two teams are the teams you need to look at in that game specifically as far as who's making the SEC championship game from the East. So you see at least two losses. And I look at this, and I don't want to hate on Florida because I'm going to, you know, I've been up and down on them all summer. I just did not realize how much of that defense was missing until I really sat down and looked at it. And then they had another injury. But I see LSU being an almost certainty. I see Georgia being a pretty good bet. Um, Tennessee is going to be a toss-up in my mind. Uh, A&M's a toss-up. And I wouldn't even count out of South Carolina. You know, they play at South Carolina. Right. So, obviously, Florida should be favored in that game. But, uh, you know, that's a toss-up territory in my mind. They could have up to four losses in the SEC. And if that happens, any time that happens at Florida you throw McIlwain on the hot seat because people are already mad at how he hasn't been recruiting super well. Sure. You know, that is that is not Florida Gator football right there. Um, so we'll see. That's why I say this is a big year. 
He has to have a quarterback. He can't rely on must-champs recruits at defense this year. And it's going to be a huge year in Gainesville. Yeah. One player. We're going to do this with a couple of the teams, not all of them, but one player from Florida that you wish could be on Alabama. Uh, I'm going to go Eddie Pinero, the pick. kicker who was originally committed to Alabama, correct? He he definitely was. He was the YouTube sensation of a kicker. Right. Drilling 65 yarders in high school. Right. Uh, cousin of Skrillex, who I don't think I've ever listened to one of wow. their songs a, or his a, songs. That is a fun fact. Yeah. Uh, their cousins or stepbrothers or half-brothers. Or somehow they're related. Um, I remember reading that one time and thinking it was weird. But uh, I wish we had a field goal kicker. Uh, I think Alabama, it's no secret. I, I feel like we've said this every year since Van Tiffen left. We tweeted it the other day from our account uh, that we've always said, man, I just wish we had a solid field goal kicker. And I really felt like, you know, when Eddie Pinero transferred, I was like, oh, well, you know what? It probably wouldn't have changed anything. When he would have gotten here, he probably would have crumbled. He's probably going to do the same in Florida. No, he was drilling field goals left and right. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he was good. So that's one player that I wish we had. Who would you say? I put Malik Zaire, and not for the reason that people would think right off the bat. This is not me bashing Jalen Hurts in any way. Um, I like Malik Zaire a lot as a player. He's played with a lot of different offensive coordinators. He's, he's, he's been through a lot. He's been injured, come back. He sat behind, um, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Deshaun Kaiser last year, and um, – He's a fifth-year senior graduate transfer. I wish we had a guy like him on our team this year because, one, he has a similar skill set to Hertz. I think Hertz could learn a lot from him. I would still start Hertz. But it would also be good to have him as a backup so we don't we can redshirt both Mac Jones and Tonga Vailoa. I mean, how great would it be to have a senior quarterback on this team that Hertz starts over and then everybody can learn from him while the other two can get their redshirt? I don't think he would ever go for that, but... Yes. No, he wouldn't. He Theoretically, wouldn't. in this world this where that happens, comes. that would be amazing. Yes. Yes. You kind of it's it's almost like Bull Durham. Yeah, this is this is all wishful thinking. This, yeah. this little piece we're doing here. Yeah, because you know. All right. Obviously, uh, put a bow on Florida. We're done with that. Correct. We're done with Florida. Let's move, move on. on to. Let's move on to Georgia. I like that. Let's go, do Georgia. Go on. Go on to the other side of that rivalry. Um, Eason's in year two. Obviously, a lot of people talking about Jake Fromm. What are you hearing out of that camp? Um. I still think Eason starts. Obviously, of course, he was the darling of the last recruiting cycle. Last the two years ago, I guess I should say the 2016 recruiting cycle. He was the darling quarterback, five star, uh, very, very co- well covered recruiting um, decision. Where he, you know, was he going to go to Florida? Was he going to go to Georgia? He ended up in Georgia with Kirby Smart, uh, so he's there in his year two with Kirby Smart, who's in year two, um, and. He had an up-and-down freshman campaign. Um, you know, they came out. He played really well in the opener against North Carolina. They won that one. Then they almost lost to Nichols State, and he played like garbage. Yes. And then he would play well, he'd play bad. He'd play well, he'd play bad. He's got a big arm. Um, he looks like a Georgia quarterback, if you don't mind me. He looks like a Matt Stafford and, a, and yes. an Aaron Murray. He lo- I mean, he looks like that guy. And I like him as a player, but... He needs to be better this year. Yes. He should be better. He's a sophomore. We're both expecting Jalen Hurts to be better. Why can't we expect Jacob Eason to be better? Because if he's not better, fans are already clamoring for Jake Fromm, State Farm, who is from Warner Robins, and he's a, he's a good little player himself. Also used to be committed to Alabama before he decided to go to Georgia. Um, so I think Eason starts. I want to ask you about uh, Kirby Smart. We have to talk about him. You know, We're going to start off with two ex-Alabama um, coordinators, right? What? Do, what? How do you like how he's doing? You know, I I think he's he's trending in the right direction if they can get a quarterback in. Um, I like that. That's a good take. You know, I would love to see what a what a Kirby Smart would do if he would have had an Aaron Murray, if he would have had a Matt Stafford. Just not a guy. You know, it, it's the same as the Alabama quarterback. We don't. You know, you don't need a guy that's going to win you every game. You just need a guy who's never going to lose you one. Well, I will say he's been recruiting lights out. Yes. He's yes. been getting guys that Alabama wants. I'm not saying he's the number one class, but he's been getting guys that Alabama wants. He's been getting the guys that Florida wants. He's been winning some battles. And most importantly, he's been keeping – and this is something that Rick struggled with there toward the end. He's, he's been keeping the Georgia guys in state. Yes. He's been doing very well. I think, I, I think, like you said, trending upward, 
That's what I see with Georgia. I think Georgia in the next three years can potentially be in the position to contend to make the playoff. Yes. Actually put up a game against whoever is coming out of the West in three years. We hope and expect it to be Alabama. But I think in the next three years, Georgia will be coming into the season's ranked, you know, in the top ten playoff fringe kind of team. Right. Um, right. But we said up and down first year. But let's not forget, Nick Saban went seven and six in his first year at Alabama. And lost to you. And lost to Louisiana Monroe. I knew that was the next thing out of your mouth. Yes. I. I it's just always going to be the next thing out of my mouth because I was there. <laughs> yeah, forget you were you were at that game, and it was awful. Uh, but yeah, no, and I, you know, I think Smart had a great media days too. Um, SEC media days, you know, there wasn't a lot of excitement going on, but I think that was one thing that was uh, very positive. Was you know Kirby Smart looks like he's got a good direction. It looks like he's getting his program on the, you know, no, I'm not going to say right, right track. It looks like he's getting it on the track that he wants it. Um, Plus, he's got a big chub coming back this year. It's, <laughs> He does have a big chub, you know. He's got a chub. He's got that chub's got a lot of uh, a lot of ground to make up, you know. Well, he's a, he's a healthy chub. We need a lot out of this chub this year. <laughs> I I was hoping you weren't going to do this. Oh, I thought we. This is Pat's interference. I thought we had grown past this. It's it's no, it's we don't grow three. up on this show. It's we don't grow three. up. We don't grow up. No, I, not only that. Not only a not only a a, a nice strong healthy chub. But he's also got Sony Michelle. There's no thing to say about his name there. No. But he's got two dynamic running backs coming back that should help Jacob Eason. Right. Sony side up. <laughs> Sony side up. Okay, you beat me to it. I like it. Uh, no, I think, you know, um, I, I think those are both huge players coming back. I, I think that Nick Chubb does need to stay healthy in all seriousness. I think that is a huge, uh, that's a huge issue for that team if he goes down. You know, and how many Georgia running backs in a row have gone down with injuries? Oh man, too many, too many to say. But yeah. uh, you know, Todd Gurley obviously was Gurley, one of them. Isaiah Crowell that went down with injuries. Uh, whoever, who is between them? No, Sean Marino. No, Sean Marino Remember went down that. with an injury after the uh, after the blackout game in Alabama. I mean, you know, it, it just it, it feels like it's always something. I hope that doesn't happen because it'd be really fun to watch. Uh, you know, a good strong chub running down the field. Nothing better than seeing a strong Chubb going go to the end zone. I think I think uh, a Chubb holding the Heisman would be fun. I'd like I'd like a chubby Heisman. Yes. Are we done with that yet? Have we beat that dead horse? Until yeah, at least until week one. Yeah. You know, until we got to talk about the uh, the jo- Georgia Notre Dame game. I think that's week two. Actually, hey, they play Notre Dame this year. I'm about to type in um, Georgia's schedule as we're sitting here. I kind of liked how we just did that with Florida. I, I said who they're playing. I don't think that that's going to be that competitive as a, of a game. I think Georgia has to play their B plus game to beat Notre Dame. That's a good they're in South Bend though, so I'll say that. They play that, Mississippi State. Yeah. They play Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Florida, South Carolina, of course Auburn. So their non division games are Auburn as always and Mississippi State. Do they um, do they get that South Carolina team at home or is that on the road? South Carolina's home, uh Mississippi State's home, Auburn is on the road. Okay. Hmm. I like them against Mississippi State. I like them against Tennessee. I like them against Vanderbilt. I like them against Missouri. Uh, I think Florida's kind of a toss-up. I think South Carolina, I like them against South Carolina. I think Auburn's a toss-up. Depending I, on how Stidham plays. We're we're almost sort of kind of – we haven't talked about Tennessee yet, but I feel like if viewers are listening – and they have uh, they have comprehension skills. They can almost kind of feel that we're talking a little bit better about Georgia than our previous team. Don't want to give too much away, but give me one player on this uh, Georgia team um, that you uh, would like to see in Bama Crimson. Uh, Sony Michelle. Um, you know, I think the route running he has, the ability to you know not only play out wide but also play in the slot and be a good possession receiver kind of sets him apart. Very shifty in the open field. He's got that experience. He's got that knowledge. He was a captain last year. Um, you know, it's it's he's, he's got a lot of that it factor, um, and I think he's going to be one of the top wide receivers in this draft class if he stays healthy. Um, now, do I, you know, do I think he's exponentially better than all of our receivers? No, I'm not sure he's better than Calvin Ridley. I think he's good. 
Uh, and I think he's got a little bit more experience than Calvin Ridley does, but I think those two guys are going to be the two guys that everybody looks at at the end of the year and says, wow, those were two of our best wide receivers. Not, you know, maybe just in the SEC, but I'm predicting throughout the nation. I put Riley Ridley. Explain. He's Well, he's obviously I, – I can't remember if he redshirted last year or even if he was in this past recruiting. He's Calvin Ridley's brother. Right. I just think it would be a – I think it'd be very nice to see Riley Ridley and Calvin Ridley both split out wide. I really wish Riley would have picked Alabama. I get why maybe he wouldn't want to. Right. Um, you know, Georgia's not a bad school to, to go to. So, eh, I just put Riley Ridley because I think it'd be pretty awesome to see two brothers out on the field uh, trying to catch passes. Sure. Sure. All right. Ribbons on Georgia for now until we kind of go back to them later. And we're going to go to uh, we're gonna go to your uh, favorite team in the SEC East, Tennessee Volunteers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering how long you'd let that silence go. Um, you know, uh, space stops is gone. Thank God we don't have to stare at that forehead and the creepy. Just his entire. All right, we're gonna have to play. Bo- we're gonna have to play good cop, bad cop with this one because you're not gonna say anything good about Tennessee. So you go- you what, just take the what, floor. What is there good to say? What do they bring back? <laughs> Well, less than last year. I'll, I'll give you that. There's much less. Good less than last than year when they were a year. horrible football team that got lucky two out of the three big wins that they had, quote unquote big wins. I'm just talking preseason here. Sorry. I think they could be worse this year, but I'm going to still play good cop compared to what you're doing, and I still won't be that nice. But go ahead. Okay. Go on here with space dobs and foreheads and such. Uh, I think that Kamara was easily the biggest offensive weapon they had. Heard is also gone. Um,. It, defense hasn't been anything since what 2007 2006 i continue i see that trend continuing this year um butch jones i think should have been fired after last season i don't think tennessee knows what they're doing as a football program i think they've completely lost their identity and it's honestly sad to watch if i didn't hate them so much it would genuinely make me sad to watch them play football but it brings you joy instead yes immense joy well, that's good. Um, you know, I actually echo a lot of what you say. Uh, you know, Dobbs was a good-ish quarterback at times until he really, really, really wasn't. Um, a player, you you mentioned Kamara, who was a great running back, and, uh, you know, I wish had never gone to Tennessee. I like Josh Malone as a receiver. Um, he was a good blocker. He's a great receiver. He could get open. Heard he was a crybaby. Actually could never stand that guy. Derek Barnett. Very good defensive player, one of the best in Tennessee's history. But these are all guys that are gone that I'm talking about. See, this is all sounding great if I'm talking about preseason 2016. And that's why we gave them a little bit of love and felt bad for it the rest of the year in 2016. Because remember, Tennessee kept winning. They beat Virginia Tech. Uh, They beat Georgia on the last second pass. They're creeping into the top five in the country. Then they lose a heartbreaker to Texas A&M last year. Moved back a little bit. Uh, It was a last-minute game. And then we just broke their back in Neyland Stadium. What was it, 41-7, 48-7 we beat them? It was it was bad. Uh, I think they had 14. 14 or 17. Maybe 40, yeah, it was something like that. But it was not close the entire game. No. I mean, the from, from the word go. Um, Both Scarborough tried to give one of their students a high five. But, <laughs> but, I'll give you this. Tennessee is the champions of life. They've got five-star hearts there. That's true. Knoxville. That's true. The board game um, life. They are champions. I don't think the Butch Jones lasts another year there. No, I uh, think Last it's, year I was think their it's... year. I mean, last year was the year they needed to be good. That was the year, and they, they, they squandered it, and they got injured. Don't get me wrong, but I hear that all the time. I worked with two Tennessee fans. They love to mention that they got injured, um, but so was Florida all last year. If Tennessee had made – I'll be honest, if Tennessee had made the SEC championship game after the injuries they suffered, I would have said at least they salvaged part of their season and given them a little bit of credit. You probably wouldn't have. I would have said that. But the fact that Florida still got in over them, I was just, you know, I don't know what to do. And they lost to South Carolina late in the year, which was just pathetic. Abysmal. Abysmal. And look at their – what were their two big wins you said? They beat Virginia Tech and Georgia. Virginia Tech went to the Belt Bowl and was down, what, 24 to Arkansas and made that great comeback, and that's awesome. But it was the Belt Bowl, and then Georgia fell off the face of the earth after that game. So I'm sorry, but those aren't big yeah, wins. Georgia in did my lose opinion. to Vandy, too. I have to throw that out there. Yeah. But, 
Um, Those aren't big wins in my opinion. So I'm done talking about these guys. If we want to move on, that's great. If you want to bring up your player you like, go ahead. I like the name Nigel Warrior, but I don't know much about the guys they have coming back. No, I just think it's another mediocre year, which I don't think will cut it. Mediocre to below I don't think it's fair to say Bush Jones is on the hot seat because I don't think he has a seat anymore. He just is standing, and someone can kick the kick the floor out. You know how you're when you're trying to work, and someone just aimlessly stands in your doorway, or just kind of lingers waiting for you to start up a conversation. That's how this. That's how Butch Jones is to Tennessee, in my opinion. Explain, because I, I need I need more. He's awkwardly standing around waiting to get fired, and everybody knows he's going to get fired, but I feel like he doesn't know it yet. Yeah, I mean, if Les Miles got fired last year and within four games, and this was Les Miles we're talking about, Butch Jones has to be feeling it. It's disgusting that people like Kevin Sumlin are going to lose their jobs and people like Butch Jones are going to keep theirs. But that's the University of Tennessee for you. Can we move on to Kentucky, please? Yes, we can move on. The next several teams, uh, I guess three teams on the list, we're, we're obviously not giving a... Um, we're kind of going down talent level, if you think so. I, I put Kentucky next. I don't even know why. I think I think Kentucky's I think Kentucky's going to be a, a a good Kentucky football team this year. They were quietly good last. Not good. I mean, they beat Louisville. Let's they were get, they were good know, for Kentucky. That. Yes, it was an up year for yeah. them for sure. Yeah, um, they beat a Lu- an uninspired Louisville team. I think low key good is what I'm going to call yes. it. Yes, uh, you know the running game was great. The defense, especially the linebacking core, was pretty good. Everything else was about on par for the course for a Kentucky team. Patrick, what are you expecting to see out of them this year? Just give me a ballpark record for them, and we can go and move on to uh, – we'll move on to Vanderbilt and then wrap up with South Carolina. I've actually always liked uh, Mark Stoops as a coach. Um, their non-conference schedule is pretty manageable as I'm looking at it. Um, uh, they don't play any huge non-conference team except the yearly Louisville. Um, and I think that they'll – be able to my thing about Kentucky is I actually think they're going to beat a team this year that they shouldn't right out of division they get Ole Miss which could be good could be we don't know what Ole Miss is going to be yet to be honest no and um and then they get uh who who would the other one be let me check it out and Mississippi State those aren't the two worst teams to pull from the west I think Kentucky makes a bowl this year yeah and I think they'll beat either a Florida I think they'll beat a Florida they'll beat a Tennessee or Mississippi State or maybe even a, I think they beat a team they shouldn't this year. Okay. Because I like the way they're coached. Um, they're usually not good, but they're not despondent about it, if yes. you know what I'm saying. Uh, just right quick, moving on a little bit. Um, are we done with Kentucky? Yeah, we're done with Kentucky. Uh, Missouri is going to be such a bad football team, we didn't even we forgot to put them on the docket. <laughs> Did we really? Did I leave off Missouri? They're going to be very bad at football. They're the last team we're going to mention. We'll do them after Vanderbilt. They're, South Carolina. They're so horrible. Well, I want I want to save South Carolina for last. Okay, fine. So we'll just do Missouri now. Then Missouri's awful. I really don't know what they're doing. Can we move on to Vanderbilt? Uh, yeah, let's do Vanderbilt. Okay, Vanderbilt. Uh, like Derek Mason, you're a big Derek Mason guy, and so am I. Do you know why I'm a very big Derek Mason guy? I told this story in the podcast last year. Do you remember it? Um, we'll tell it again because honestly, when Derek no. Mason was at Stanford, he apparently had a sheet of paper where he wrote down a bunch of two minute drill and certain game time game situation scenarios on like a sheet of notebook paper. And right when he got the job at Vanderbilt. They lost, I think they dropped their two of their first three or something, and the one they won, they played like, I don't know, Charleston Southern, some big South school. And <laughs> there was an article on, I think it was Barstool or EDSBS tweeted it, and in all caps it said, Breaking news, colon, Derek Mason has found his magical sheet of paper, Vanderbilt projected to win national championship. And the entire <laughs> article was about... That sheet of paper that Derek Mason wrote when he was a wide receiver at Stanford and how he found it the other day, quote, going through things in the attic. And it was one of the funniest articles I ever read. So I'm a big Derek Mason guy for that reason and his magical sheet of paper. Uh, I think he's charismatic. I think he's good for the city of Nashville. Um, you know, and I, who knows? Maybe we can anchor down this year and uh, get a few wins, a few unpredicted wins, and as long as they beat Tennessee – 
I know Nashville will be happy and content till basketball season. Yeah, I, I give Vanderbilt some love. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to have a winning record in the SEC. Right. Um, it's you know they pull Alabama again this year. It's you know tough to do that, especially when your uh, cross division is going to be Alabama and they get Ole Miss. Um, who again we don't know what Ole Miss will be, uh, but. You know, I'm not going to predict that they're going to come up and they're going to have a Jay Cutler this year and they're going to be a top 25 team and shock the world. But they're supposed to be Vanderbilt. Yes. You know, it's we're, I'm not going to I'm not going to ever fault them because, quite frankly, Vanderbilt fans don't go on Twitter and tell everyone how they're going to win the national championship this year. Tennessee. Unlike Tennessee, yes. Unlike that other team in in that state. Memphis. Don't South talk Carolina. about Memphis that way. Memphis tries very hard. <laughs> Let's go to let's go to let, you. You've been wanting to talk about South Carolina. I don't want to spend too much time on Vandy because I know there's a take you have on the Gamecocks. I think I think this is your SEC East dark horse, and I'm not saying that they're going to win it. I'm just saying if you had to pick a dark horse, South Carolina might be it. You know, it it depends on a few. I, I think big things happening. First off, they've got to beat an NC State team who's getting a lot of momentum in the ACC preseason. That's actually. Quietly, that's a that's a good little game to watch. That if is. you're not, if it you're, absolutely is, and people, you know, people sitting in around waiting are for the Bama game. It. People in Raleigh are very excited about it. What's up to the cats, by the way? Um, uh, they're whining because they're, my wife's in the bedroom and they want to be pet. And sure, I'm predisposed right now. Sure. Uh, anyway, back back to the podcast. I think the running game has got to step up. I think they've got to win that first game, and then I think Jake Bentley has got to play the best football he can for their big games. I don't think he is. He needs to play his A game every single game for South Carolina to be good. I do think, however, he needs to play his A game in big games, and you could see an upset or two out of that South Carolina team. I'm serious. I'm. I'm not joking. I, I see a lot of headway coming out of there, and you know what? Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But the running game was very successful a couple of years ago. You get Sky Moore coming back. Um, you know, uh, on defense that is. Um, you know, the running game was solid last year. I think they're kind of a, a sleeper team. I don't hate I don't hate South Carolina. I don't really love Muschamp as a coach, but he's might be learning from his mistakes that he made at Florida. Maybe Florida the waters there were just a little bit too uh too much for him too at the swampy. time. Too swampy and he just couldn't uh you know, expectations sure. are a lot higher at Florida than they are at South Carolina. Sure. But I don't see I South like, Carolina upsetting Clemson this year, but I see that game being a lot closer than people think. It's actually close the last couple of years too. They played him pretty well. Right. Um I like Bentley a lot as a quarterback. He yes. came in, he you know, he wasn't uh the starter to start the year. I think he had to come in because, you know, Perry Orth was just flaming hot garbage, whoever they had starting at this time last year. They had Brandon McElwain, I think was the other guy's name. Yes. And then Bentley comes in, he plays very well. And again, they beat they beat uh they beat Tennessee. Yes. That's that's what got Florida in the in the, the, the conference championship game. Um all right, so we obviously both think they beat Missouri. We obviously both think they beat Kentucky. Uh their non their cross division games are A and M and Arkansas. Do you see them winning either or both of those? I see them winning the Arkansas game. I don't see them winning the A and M game. I think Kevin. Yeah, that Sullins- one's on the road. We're, that's going to be an interesting one next podcast for the SEC West because I think Kevin Sumlin's got a really hot seat and he knows it, and uh, I think that Texas A&M team is going to sneak up and get some people. Um, They're a lot like Florida. they got to have a quarterback. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the South Carolina team could absolutely upset somebody like an Arkansas or somebody like that. Um, they play at Tennessee. Do they beat them again this time on the road? I think they beat Vanderbilt. I don't think they beat Georgia. And like I said, Florida is a is a you know a, a quiet toss up there, depending on their momentum going in. Right. Hey, I will break, say break, A&M, break, break, break. Yeah. Do you hear that crackling? Do you hear it? Kind of sounds good. Kind of sounds like a hot take's coming. Time for a hot take. South Carolina beats either Georgia or Florida this year. All right. All right. They play them back to back too. I'm saying. Because that A and M, it's a Arkansas, hot take. I'm not saying Tennessee, it's going to happen, Brady. I'm not saying Georgia, it's going to happen. Florida. All right, that's a that's a pretty tough stretch there. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. It's cooled off now. <laughs> now that it's out, and we're all looking at it, deciding whether to bite into it. Who makes it. the SEC title game from the East? I think we both showed our hand pretty heavy here. Yeah. 
but I think it's Georgia. And I'm going to give my reason, and I'll let you explain yours. I like Georgia because I don't think Georgia's offense needs to – I think this is a, a Florida-slash-Georgia race. I don't think Georgia's offense needs to be prolific because of what Florida's losing on defense. Yeah. But I think it just needs to be pretty good. I think pretty good will be enough. Um, because of what Florida loses on uh, defense, because of the fact that they're not re- probably not returning, unless Luke Dorio wins the job, and then that means they're in more trouble even anyway, they're probably not returning a quarterback. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with their best player on the entire team, and Antonio Callaway, and their other best player, Marcel Harris, is out with an Achilles injury. Georgia's very, both teams are still very talented. And right. let's both get this out of the way. To pick an SEC East winner, we're not saying that anyone in this, this division probably is a title contender. No. We're not saying, oh my gosh, go ahead and start putting your money on Georgia. No. It's like, um, like you said. And the honestly, tallest... the the East is so tough to pick every year because randomly you'll get a team. And, you know, that's why I just talk so heavily about South Carolina. Randomly you'll get a team who's just really good. We hate Missouri now. They went two years in a row a couple years back. And they're garbage now. They're going to be one of the worst teams to ever play SEC football. They're going to be Oof. that bad. Watch. Oof. Watch. Oof. Watch. Watch them win it. Watch them win it. We don't know anything on this podcast. Yeah, we, we just pretend. Right now, we're just we're playing Russian roulette with this bad boy. No, I th- I think I think Georgia's your, your team. You know, I'd love to pick Florida and say they do it three years in a row because I think that'd be cool to see. I think it's great for Coach McElwain to do that. Uh, but there's too many question marks. You've got injuries left and right. You've got the discipline problems that I don't see stopping because you suspend them for the Michigan game. I think if that Michigan game gets out of hand, that could really cause some turmoil for the rest of the season, especially if they don't figure out their quarterback situation. All of those questions, and then you look across at Georgia, and you say, okay, they have a little bit of a quarterback battle, but they pretty much got it figured out. They've got a very good receiving core, very good running back. Their offensive line is missing some pieces, but they're returning some others. Their defense is going to step up because I don't remember the last time I watched a bad defense at Georgia. And they've got a defensive-minded head coach who, as we know firsthand, is very, very good at coaching defense. So I think that Georgia is your SEC East champs this year. Uh, You'll have to wait and listen in for SEC West preview to see who we think goes to the SEC championship to face off with Georgia and then who wins that game. But like you said, I don't think the SEC East winner is a title contender. No, it's like picking from a room of sixes. Yes. You know, it's – it's, and then you go over and uh, and, and, and the West. This And I'm just talking about this year because Florida was the second – I do think Florida was the second best team in the conference last year. Um, but the gap was so big, and the SEC was so down last year. Yes. I think the SEC takes a step back up this year, um, a little bit more competitive. But I think – just specifically the East this year, we're picking from a room of sixes. We're over in the West, we're picking from a ten, maybe a nine, a couple eights. Yes. You know? That's what I, that's, that's, that's about, that's the best picture I can paint. Is it crystal for you? It is. It's like Windex. I didn't put a room for, for uh, sound offs. I don't know if we need one this week. Do you maybe have one? Uh, you know, I, I really, I'm just too content, man. You know, I guess I guess all the fuel's gone for the sound offs. I can come up with one right quick if you want. Yeah, why not? We're at forty minutes. We'll we'll try to stretch this to about fifty and then let you guys go. Okay, here we go. Uh, I I'm I'm not a huge fan of of soccer players falling down for no reason. Let's get into this. <gasps> this is gonna be good. This is gonna be pretty good. Let's get into this. I will say this: watching soccer live, if the teams are playing well and it's a competitive game and there's no time to fall down. So say you're in the 85th, 86th minute, right? You're down by a goal. You need to tie it to go to a conference championship. You need to tie it to reach the top of the table, as the Redcoats call it. That soccer is exciting. You got a guy driving down the field. He's getting ready to flip the ball up for a nice little cross in the middle of a box, and you've got two other guys streaking behind it. It's pretty interesting. I love how soccer is a big melting pot. I hate that if you accidentally sneeze from across the field looking in the general direction of someone, four players fall down and grab their ankles like they've been shot at Normandy. 
Sick of it. I hate it. I can't stand it. LeBron does it. I hate it when he does it. You're 240-some-odd pounds. Why are you flopping around like that? And for soccer, these guys try to convince themselves in commercials and everything that they're you know, the biggest, baddest dudes in all the land, and it's just not true. It's just not too, true. And then people like Cristiano Ronaldo get called out yesterday. Two days ago, I guess. Get a red card for flopping. He'd already picked up a yellow. He got a second yellow. Got kicked out of the game for a red card. He gently pushes a ref and gets suspended five games. Go and watch a video. He hardly puts his hand on the ref's shoulder blade. Kicked out the rest of the game. Going to miss the next game, too. It doesn't make sense to me. The refs are even flopping now. So you call a guy for flopping. He pushes you a little bit. You flop. Even though you're the ref, there's no point. You don't care. Who wins, supposedly, even though everybody knows soccer's fixed at the big level. And all of a sudden, you got a five-game suspension on the best player in the world. Oof. I got something I could add here. Please do. Uh, it's a tactic in sorry, soccer. Sorry, sorry. One, one second. Women's soccer, better at staying on their feet than men's soccer. Oh, that's 100%. Everybody knows that. That's yeah. like a known fact. Yes. Um, It's a tactic in men's soccer. I mean, this is yeah, something that... That you do, you know, the, you know, in hockey as a tactic, what do you do? You go and get in a fight, you know? Yeah. In football, okay, they – a couple times teams maybe push the, the, the envelope on doing something like that. You know what the NFL did and college football did? Fine, you guys are going to try that. Well, now it's an automatic timeout if it's under two minutes in the fourth. Yeah. Um, even basketball is now giving out fines – and, 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 you know, penalties for doing it. You know, basketball saw it as a stain on their sport. They're trying to police it. At least they're trying, you know. Soccer's just, nah, do it. Yeah. That's only, and that's really my, well, there are a couple gripes I have about soccer. I don't watch a ton, but I like it when I watch you want, it. You want to know how you fix soccer? Ready? Get, Take away offsides. Get rid of the goalies. <laughs> Two balls. Okay, <laughs> let's go four. Uh, I also heard. I, I heard. Shout out Dan Clark. Uh, it's a, an old, an old work buddy. Uh, he's no longer at High Point, but when he was there, we were we were theorizing on how to make soccer maybe more entertaining. He told me one day, you blow an air horn, and after that air horn blows, you've got two minutes. If you score in those two minutes, game's over. That's it. Doesn't matter if you're down four one. Doesn't matter if you're up by 10. If you score within those two minutes after the air horn blows, game's over. And they can blow it at any time. They can, they can, blow, it, they can blow it in the 89th it's, minute. They can blow it in the third like minute. It's like the snitch in, in Quidditch. Yeah. Two, two minutes. Can you imagine? People would be shoving guys forward. There would be goalies over on corner kicks. It would be pandemonium. That would be fantastic. But, no, in my opinion, fix soccer. Get rid of the goalies. We don't need them. Shorten up the goals so it looks like a hockey goal. Two balls. Go after it, boys. I like that. Um, I like that. That would be fun. I would watch that. All right, so mine is something that I, I, I genuinely feel that everybody will echo. I don't think anybody will be against me on this one. But it's something that I realized was a nuisance in my everyday life, okay? Every single day of my life that I'm at work. This needs to end yesterday. Two things. One, websites that autoplay video ads oh, when you go gosh. to them. Dude, it is Sports Illustrated, ESPN. You know, these are these are sites that I frequent. Any article you open has a has a video attached to it with a with a you know whatever they can throw on there. A lot half the time on ESPN's website, the video that they're showing isn't even related to the no. story. And honestly, because they didn't actually report it on air. I'm I'm so, fine if there's video like with our website. I'm fine if there's just video. I'm okay with that. No, if video plays, but if it's a, if it's a thirty second ad that slows down the loading of the entire website anyway, and the story is on, I'm just going to say, John Carlos Stanton, but since they haven't talked about it on air that day, it's just some other random Major League Baseball story. Yes. And then you have, and it, sh- it throws up an ad that slows everything down. It drives me absolutely insane. And then the other one, the other one to me, that is just, it just started like a couple weeks ago, at least in my life, is I'm watching a nice little video on YouTube or Facebook, I'm about halfway through. I'm enjoying it. I'm watching the top ten dunks of the NBA season. Boom, ad. Yep. In the middle of the video. Yep. And I go, I guess I won't know the last five because I don't sit and watch it. No. And that drives me nuts. I don't think, uh, whatever. Ads are, oh, 
man. I mean, I get why they exist. I get why the revenue that YouTube was allowed to make has is, is completely changed the internet. But, oof. I mean, I remind don't me, need an remind ad me every next, time. Next, next episode, the SC West preview, remind me the participation trophy sound off. That's going to be my sound off next time. Okay, I'll remind you. So I go. So this is this is what happens when I go to a Bleacher Report article. I have the website and the articles loading. The entire background of the article is an ad. Where if I accidentally click on anything other than the body of the article, it opens a new page. You get other sprinkled in ads on the sides. And Bleacher Report's not even the worst for this, but this is just what I noticed on an article the other day. Other sprinkled in ads on the sides, other boxes. So the background's an ad, you have the boxes of the ad, and I've clicked on the article, and it auto-plays a 30-second ad linking to a video that's not even about the story I'm reading. It is... It's too much. It's infuriating. It's too much. That's why clickbait exists. Yep. So that you can get that. Alright, solid episode, dude. That was good. That's I'll good do stuff. the social media uh, sound off in case, in case you weren't listening at the beginning of the episode. You can find us on Twitter, PI underscore podcast. We actually put out a couple tweets this week. Told you we were going to try to do that more. Uh, Pat's Interference on Facebook. We'll kind of start doing that more once the season begins. P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. Find our page. Like it. Share it. Do whatever you got to do. We need more people on there. Um, you can listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Stitcher if you're Android. Um, you know, we, you can listen to us on all the things that you can listen to podcasts on now. Um, Google Play. Uh, I'm going to start, you know, I don't know what the rules are to get on Spotify, but I'll at least look into it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how Pat's Interference Beautiful. works. Hey, I enjoyed doing this with you, buddy. I this is great. Staying up late uh, again, we couldn't do this without you guys, our fans. Uh, we, we really, really appreciate it. Go take a peek at that new website. If you've got ideas, you got stuff you want us to talk about it, just drop a line. It doesn't even. It doesn't even. Tweet at us and say, Harbaugh. Tweet at us and say Tupperville. I'd love to. I'd love to tee off on all ears. <laughs> hey, that'd be fun. Yeah, we you know. We, we, we I, I mean, like we'll, we'll see. But we're we're gonna we're gonna get these episodes cranking. We, we're ready. You know, what? it's it's year three. It's year three. We're we're a well-oiled machine at this point. Guess what today marks, buddy? What's that? Two and a half weeks to kick off. Love it. Loving every Got my hotel room ready for the game, too. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And most importantly, Brick, roll roll tight. tight.